This is Deads on the Podcast presents Warzone Eternal. Welcome to the Dead Zone Podcast. Dead Zone is the sci-fi tabletop. jungle board no, um, nice. cool. and so i've got a bunch of bunch no, it looks like brian's frozen again am i or yeah. was i just looking down no no you're... we don't even have a picture oh for me he does he's this <laughs> i i have uh what is that mega man oh. yeah oh, mega there, man. now there you are now you're moving again now i'm moving again okay yep. okay I'm wondering if it's getting angry that I have audio recording with the separate software and recording uh, the video side, but we'll 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 see if it goes. Yeah, we'll see. Like if it if it continues to cause trouble, we'll just I've I've got the audio files are saving out each time. So cool. Cool. Well, in that case, let's get rolling. So welcome to another episode of Warzone Eternal. I'm your host, Rick, and with me is... Alex from Resnova. And we have a special guest. We have Brian from Dead Zone the Podcast. Hi, guys. I'm <laughs> Brian from Dead Zone the Podcast. <laughs> I made it. I made it onto the show. <laughs> welcome, yeah, Brian. welcome, Brian, to your own show. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it great, great to be here, guys. Great to be here. Thank you so much. <laughs> No, no, really, really though. It it is great to actually uh, be able to join for one of these episodes. Um, glad it worked out this time, and cool. I'm excited to hear what's going on. Yeah, with each of these episodes we've done, yes, Alex and I and uh, Rick for Thunder Forge Studios are the main parts, but Brian does all the back end work on these episodes, which we really appreciate. It. Absolutely, yep. Well outside of my wheelhouse. And, and fingers crossed that this recording is going great. <laughs> you won't, you won't hear about it in post if it did not. That's great. So, Alex, it's been a few months. Mm -hmm. uh, where are we sitting at with the Kickstarter right now? Uh, so, the Kickstarter, we're currently still in the open back. Actually, was the backer kit even open when we did our last episode? The last episode, it was not open yet. Yeah, right, we are so, just working on it. All right, so the backer kit has been open now for just over a month. Um, about I think about a month and a half now. We opened up in September. Um, and that, that's been going great, right? We are probably at about, I think, about 80% completion. And I haven't even sent any emails yet saying, hey, guys, come on, let's get your backer kits completed. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so that, that's been really good. Um, we're going to keep that open until December or sometime in December. Uh, I'll, I'll be attending PAX Unplugged and Resnova will be exhibiting there. We've got a small booth running demos throughout the entire convention. So we wanted to keep the backer kit open for late pledges 
for anyone who might come across the game of Packs and Plug and think, yeah, this is cool, and jump on this. So, so that's where we're at in terms of um, you know, kind of the, the backer kit aspect of it. Yeah. Uh, in terms of you know, just working towards production and fulfillment. Uh, actually, last week, I guess this will be like two weeks or so ago now, when this <laughs> goes live, um, I had a meet, meeting with our uh, miniature production partner, um, and mold making is you know starting on on a couple of the the units, right? And nice. we've got a we've got a hundred and five miniatures, I think it is, um, in total right. as part of the Kickstarter. So you know, there, there's a lot of logistics there that goes um, it goes into trying to figure out how do you set up molds, right? You don't want to have 105 individual molds. Uh, so how do you do what you know, what they call family molding, right? So putting multiple figures into one mold. Mm-hmm. How do you do that in such a way that's the most efficient, uh, allows you to use the smallest number of molds while still most efficiently producing the number of models you need for the starter sets, the unit boxes, etc. Um, so a lot of a lot of calculations there. Again, I'm fortunate <laughs> to have good, competent people doing that. And I can just say, oh, here you go. Here's the list <laughs> of figures as of right now. Um, so that's happening. The the beta uh, rules released just about the same time as the backer kit. So that's been out for uh, again about a month or so. Yeah. Um, and by the time this episode comes out, the uh, updated or revised beta should be uh, out in people's hands. Right. Yeah, so you know, we uh, the, the beta has been received really well. Uh, the Discord channel in particular is really active. It, to be clear, it's not a Resnova Discord channel. It's a fan, fan-run fan Discord channel, but mm. it's a place that Brian it's, and I hang out on. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's been cool. So... So a lot of feedback I there. To turn off my notifications. Yeah. Oh no, absolutely. <laughs> this thing keeps going off. I need to turn it off at least while I'm at work. Yep. No, it, without a doubt. Um, and it's been cool, right? Because a lot of people are weighing in on, you know, their experiences with the beta, asking questions about am I interpreting things correctly, but then also posting pictures of, you know, here's my terrain layout. Is this enough terrain for a Wars of Eternal battle? Or, you know, hey, these are the proxies I'm using for this new unit type. Or I dug out my old models and I've started repainting them. You know, check them out. So it's it's been a really cool uh, community. Um, but there, uh, on the Wars and Eternal Facebook page, right, there's been a lot of people asking questions about it. And in general, the, the beta seems to have gone over gone over well. Um, but that does mean because we've had a lot of people playing it that there've been a lot of small tweaks that Brian and I have needed to make. Things that people have identified um, where the language wasn't perfectly clear or even you know, now that we've seen units in play in greater number than we ever saw just in our play test. I mean, we had, we had like 20 play testers, right? But we, um, but, but even them, with the number of games they played, you know, they haven't put as many models on the board as all of the people playing the beta uh, rules have. So, so a bunch of small tweaks there, some stat changes, nothing, nothing significant, but enough that you know, I think we're getting closer and closer to that, that really tight final product that Brian and I want, right? The, the product that we're hoping is going to allow us to minimize the number of uh, errata documents we've got to put out, um, you know, makes the core rule book a reliable resource for as long as possible. So when you, re- when you released the beta, just before you released it, were there any big changes that you had to make that because of what you were looking at? 
or was it pretty much alpha to beta with just a few tweaks? Uh, no, actually, there was, um, and, and it's funny, right? Because I mean, alpha, and you know, I'm no, I'm no developer, I'm no IT developer, I'm no project manager, so I probably <laughs> use these terms absolutely incorrectly. Um, but the, uh, but I mean, you know, the the previous iterations, right? The documents that were the the work in progress prior to the release of the beta, I mean, that we probably went through thirty plus iterations, right? Um, and so there's just a massive number of things that have changed significantly from when Brian and I first started working till till the release of the beta. But but even just before the release of the beta, um, you know, there are changes between the Kickstarter rules preview that we released and and the beta document. And a lot of that came from you know experiences that people reflected upon um, when we did the demos at Gen Con, right? Because Gen Con was the first time that we really had. Um, you know, a fair number of people play the game who are not playtesters. Yeah. Um, you know, Adepticon, uh, Origins, those were both you know, good places for us to run short little demos, mm-hmm. but they're just demos at a booth. And so you don't really get to see, um, you know, the types of interactions that make you realize that, oh, we've got, we've got something we should tweak here. Um, and so, for instance, coming out of Gen Con, one of the things that, that Brian and I realized was you know, close combat melee just needed to be more rewarding. Right. It's it's hard to get into melee. Um, you know, Warzone is still it's a kind of a techno fantasy game. Right. So you got guys running yeah. around with swords, but it's still a game where guys are shooting each other. Right. So. So all the it's time. Hard, all the time. Right? <laughs> all exactly. the time. So it's hard to get into melee, but you want to encourage people to still try it because it is a part of the narrative. So yeah. so really right. It, other than trying to put in you know, mechanics that make guys untargetable as they're moving across the battlefield or you know, kind of shticks that you, you know, throw out there to, to make a unit get into combat, um, you know, we just really wanted to make it rewarding, right? You're going to try to do it because if you get into combat, you know, your Hatamoto is just going to annihilate whoever you know, he makes it into combat with. Um, so, that, I mean, I think that was one of the significant <laughs> areas of change was, was making melee more rewarding. Uh, just before the beta was put out. Excellent. Yeah. Very cool. Sorry. Uh, yay. <laughs> yep. No, that's okay. So, so state of the game. So the beta is going. Uh, production is doing what it's supposed to be do on the Kickstarter end. Um, you said you have a convention coming up. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Packs unplugged. What what are you doing there? Uh, so where's Nova is actually exhibiting. Um, we'll have a booth there. Um, I don't have the booth number off the top of my head. Um, but if you check out the uh, the Packs unplugged exhibitor list, I think that's been made public. Uh, you can find us find us listed there. So yeah, so we'll have a booth, uh, a ten by ten booth, and we'll be running. Oh, we I will be running demos um, all weekend long. Um, Brian has got a deadline conflict, so he can't make it out to the show. Um, so yeah, so it'll be, it'll be for the most part me holding on the fort. But uh, but yeah, so Pax of Blood, right? It's a it's a cool convention. It's a, I think seven, maybe not even seven years old at this point. Um, and it had actually been one of the first conventions that Resnova ever ever went to and exhibited. We were we were running. Um, Is that the card demo- game. Yeah, demos for Dungeon Slayer, the card game we had been working on. And uh, and so that was the first Packs Unplugged. 
uh, went out there, our buddies at uh, Rat Trap Productions, the two of us shared a booth and, you know, hung out all weekend. It was awesome. And so we've been, or I've been going back every single year. And for the last several, right, it's been just to kind of go as a, um, you know, as a participant, right? Play some games, check out the exhibitors hall. So it'll be the first time in years that we're going back and we're actually, you know, holding down a booth and running demos throughout the, throughout the convention. Right on. So with Pact Unplugged, so anybody that's been, that was at Gen Con or AdeptCon, are they going to see the same amazing board you had? Uh, no, no. <laughs> wow. Now I kind of feel like you set me up. No. They what a not, segue. <laughs> they will not see that amazing board. They will see a inferior version of the, no. <laughs> um, no. Uh, so, you know, so Pax, um, you know, PAX is not a miniatures convention, right? So yeah. uh, you're you're kind of uh, trying to appeal to a different market. Um, and it's also, it's a significantly longer drive uh, than Depticon is for me. So it's like trying, trying to, you know, figure out how to, how to make the booth a little bit more um, efficient in terms of transportation. So, so we're going with a, a couple different tables uh, than we've used at other shows. And as part of that, that means that the, um, the Algoroth ruined uh, Citadel is just a bit too big to fit in the <laughs> space that we've got. Yeah. So we'll be we'll be uh, putting down a smaller uh, terrain board that I'm that I'm building for the show that will it'll be tighter, um, you know, easier for people who aren't sure about what this is to kind of approach it and not feel. Over- uh oh, Alex, we cannot hear you anymore. Alex froze with his arms out. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Skype. There we go. I was I was completely kicked out. Skype just dropped. Oh jeez. Weird. Yeah. Come on, Skype. Hang in there. That that is going to be a uh, a difficult edit right there, Brian. <laughs> 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 oh man! Um, you, so the board you had at Adeptcon—that was some ruins. Yeah. So uh, Dave Taylor built that board. It was a three by three board, and it was—it's um, kind of like the outskirts of an Elgaroth Citadel, right? So there were some steps leading up to it that suggested a citadel in the background, pillars that were knocked over, a trench line with a couple bunkers, a few of those bunkers destroyed. Um, and so it, it gave the sense of a uh, um, an Elgroth Citadel that had been you know overrun or was in the process of being overrun, and so it was a really cool board. You know, Dave Taylor is a is a hell of an artist, and and that one came out really well. Uh, so yeah, so this board for PAX will not be a Dave Taylor board; it will be an Alex board. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but again, it'll be it'll be smaller, um, a little bit more approachable for people who are unsure about miniatures games and allow them to jump into um, kind of a meaningful demo uh, a lot quicker, right? No, nobody kind of wandering around the board for a couple turns, you know, repositioning. It'll mm-hmm. be, you know, w- within combat range right away. Jump right on and show how the game actually plays. Yeah, yeah exactly right. Yep. Now, do you have do you have an idea for the theme of the board? Uh, yeah, so it's going to be a jungle board. Um, we're going to do, uh, capital and Mishima starter sets for the board. Uh, and so we're going to use, use something that that's supposed to evoke the Graviton Archipelago on Venus, right? Which is this, uh, jungle filled, 
uh, series of islands and swamps. So it's a it's a cool setting. It's per I think I've mentioned this on the show before. It's my it's my favorite setting of the, uh, <laughs> the Mutant Chronicles universe. So it's yeah, so something something like that. Right on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it'll be cool. I'm, I'm really looking forward to. It. Like I said, Pax Pax is a different show, right? It's um. You know, while Gen Con is kind of this really established, massive thing, appeals to everyone. Uh, Origins is kind of kind of feels like a smaller version of uh, Gen Con. Adepticon is a full-on miniatures convention. You know, PAX Unplugged is this sort of different thing, right? I mean, it's more in the line of an Origins or Gen Con in that it appeals to a larger uh, cross-section of gamers, but at the same time it's new enough and it's run by people who don't come from gaming convention backgrounds. So they've kind of done their own thing. Yeah, PAX, PAX originally was, it wasn't a, a video game. The, so the Penny Arcade, Penny Arcade, uh, yeah. yeah, launched PAX and they've got a bunch of them, PAX East, PAX West, PAX Australia. Um, and yet because Penny Arcade's association was with video games, uh, it, it really started out as primarily a video game convention, but then um, you know, the guys behind Penny Arcade really started becoming more interested in tabletop games, RPGs. I mean, they're the ones who did uh, Acquisitions Incorporated, which was probably one of the first big actual plays, right? Them and Critical Role. Mm-hmm. So, so as part of that, their PAX shows started having a larger and larger you know, presence of traditional tabletop gaming. And then eventually PAX Unplugged was just their answer to let's let's disconnect from digital for one of our shows completely and just do a tabletop show. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. it's a good show. It, it just feels it feels really different. You know, it feels small yet not small. Um, <laughs> it's 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 hard to describe. And then, you know, Philadelphia's uh, Philadelphia's a neat city. Um, you're there near Christmas. You're right downtown, right? It's all the, yeah. um, you know, stereotypical like big city downtown Christmas decoration yeah. and stuff. <laughs> so it's cool. I'm Chopper. I'm Brian. And I'm Rob. From Mobile Armor Radio. And you are listening to Dead Zone, the podcast with Rick and Brian in the morning. Never heard of it. <laughs> I don't even know who those guys are. Right on. So yeah. so one of the other things, that, like we didn't talk about it towards the beginning, but one of the big reasons why we have Brian on the show <laughs> is the two of you have collaborated on something for Warzone and Turtle. How about you guys tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, so uh, let me know, Alex, if any of this is covered by NDA, and I shouldn't speak. <laughs> but uh, we've been working on um, you know one of the, the tools that's become kind of ubiquitous with Wargaming these days is list builder tools. And making those available for people to to build their list online or via an app or something along those lines, uh, and so that's that's actually what we've been working on. I, I 
have a technical software background. Uh, and Alex and I kind of connected on that front. And uh, yeah, I've been working on putting together uh, the, the list builder uh, software kind of in the background. Uh, and I suppose this is maybe the first announcement that it exists. <laughs> so that's always fun. Yeah. Yeah, I think we've had, I think it's been mentioned a few times, perhaps in passing, maybe on the Discord. Um, but yeah, no, in general, you know, we wanted to have, exactly as Brian saying, said, we, we wanted to have an army builder because people have come to rely on those as part of the experience of playing a miniatures game. And it's not something we promised as part of the Kickstarter, right? This is this is really something that um, it was it was a hope. Uh, and Brian, you know, brings a skill set that I obviously do not. And um, and so yeah, so being able to roll that thing out hopefully in time for the actual fulfillment of the Kickstarter, so that when people are putting together their lists, they can actually be using this army builder in order to, you know, tweak things, uh, play around with things. I mean, hell. If we can get it out early enough, maybe become something for people to mess around with while they're waiting for their um, fulfillment. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely, and it, and it's been coming together really nicely. Uh, it's it's been fun to the the latest uh, update. And I was just telling Alex about this. Uh, I've been working on the the actual logic behind uh, you know the rules kind of around list building criteria. So it's like uh, the the most specific one being. Uh, how some units have like a required troop tax, um, or as as you might call it, uh, where where certain units have to have a a, uh, a unit from a the same kind of troop type uh, to to be included in the list, and so oh, yeah. it starts building out uh, your list that way, and uh, and working in kind of the extra exceptions of that, where it's like you can do it from any of the categories or any of the types, uh, and. Uh, <laughs> And yeah, and, and we, we do kind of see it as uh, you know, a, a product that's going to uh, continue to grow with the game. Uh, it, you know, at first, we're going to be pretty, pretty straight uh, kind of list building. You'll be able to select a faction, select the, the units that you want to include in that, um, and then be able to print out that list uh, either as a, as a PDF or you know, on paper, um, and including with, uh, with some of the rules. Uh, that come with like the abilities and stuff, and uh, and then you know from there we're we're looking at you know making that a much more robust system uh, down the road. We've got some features and and extra goodies uh, that we've been uh, you know coordinating and figuring out to exactly how we want to uh, make that take shape. And uh, yeah, it's it's I think we'll we'll be right on track. I hope to have it out uh, even just for for kind of some general beta testing of its own. Uh, in the very near future here, so be on the lookout for that. <laughs> uh, that's cool. I mean, that, yeah, that's definitely a big thing when it comes to these games nowadays. Is everybody likes their list builders? Mm-hmm. Yep. No, absolutely. I mean, it, you know, the thing is, right? Um, you can always look at the unit cards. You can download the unit cards uh, when those are obviously available. But being able to just sit down with an app and you know quickly move figures around or move units around and, you know, play with unit construction and, you know, have something that catches you when you've built a, um, you know, an illegal list, right? It's, <laughs> it's a lot easier to, to use those kind of things to play around with the ideas of various lists, um, you know, potential builds 
than than it is to look at a stack of cards and you know try to organize things that way. So yeah, I mean I'm I'm really excited about it. It's uh, again, it was something that I'd hoped that we could do. It's hard to it's hard to look at a company the size of Resnova and presume that that's something we're going to be able to roll out. Um, yeah. So the fact that it looks like it's a reality is is cool. It's exciting. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so so Brian, since we got you on here, yes. another question to fire at you. Um, what what about Warzone Eternal lore wise? Do you know? Uh, so mostly what I've gl- been gleaning from the podcast episodes, actually, um, <laughs> I, I, I'm not incredibly familiar with the the setting. Like I've, I'd I'd heard its name uh, prior to kind of this project uh, uh, becoming front and center for us, and um, so I, I kind of knew that it existed, but didn't know much about it. And so kind of through osmosis, you might say, of, of editing the podcast episodes. Uh, been kind of learning more and more about, you know, that there, you know, the different factions and how like there's stuff going on on Mars and and all these other planets and everything. Uh, so it, it's it sounds like a very fascinating setting uh, with with a lot of rich opportunity for for storytelling as well. I obviously think so. <laughs> so so good job, good job. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, Brian, since we got Alex here, do you have any lore questions for him? Because, they, I mean, from what I can tell with the episodes I've done with him, he kind of knows the lore. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, like like one thing that, that I did find fascinating um, in, in the discussions, and, and this might just be because I come from a, a, a pretty mantic-focused uh, set of games, you might say, like the the kind of extra focus or, or attention that you guys have like on, on heroic characters and like these these named characters that have like a rich history behind them. Uh, yeah. I, I really love that element uh, because it, it means like when you take him, uh, you know, this one here, uh, what was the, the, the trencher guy? <laughs> I forget. Trencher uh, Dave? Trencher Dave. <laughs> oh, well, Trencher Dave. I mean, that's, I mean, to be clear, that's entirely a Brian C.P. Steele creation on the fly in response to an Adepticon demo where a trencher survived way more wounding shots than it ever should have. Um, but, but but I think that's a great example, though, right? Because yeah. that's one of the things that we want to do is we want to kind of encourage the idea that, you know, every model that you put on the board, right, because it's a skirmish game, it's an mm-hmm. individual model game every model arguably is somebody right mm-hmm. and so it gives you it gives you a chance to to do to go through these um these games and kind of have this emergent narrative that that kind of pops up and and particular characters you know kind of take on a, a life that's a bit bigger than just their you know their their plastic and their stat card so mm-hmm. so yeah no absolutely that that's something that, that that that's something i think that this universe does a really good job of that it's awesome to hear, and and like uh, and this the similar vein, like um, obviously I know that you know kind of priority one is get the game out, get it into people's hands, get them playing and everything. But I I was curious like with with the setting being as as rich uh, as it is, do you uh, foresee yourselves kind of taking uh, some some of that narrative into an, another level or telling your own stories or like setting up campaigns or things like that, that 
uh, players can then pick up and, and go through campaigns as well. Yeah. So, so, so to the, the latter part of that question, mm. um, the, you know, kind of campaigns are, are very much where Brian and I want to spend a lot of the time with this game, right? There's, uh, you know, again, we're a small company, so you know, the, the opportunity to just continue to pump out brand new miniatures, you know, unit after unit after unit is just not something that's sustainable for us. Uh, but what we can do, right, is spend a lot of time, uh, and, and I think, you know, people who have listened to this podcast before might have heard me say something similar to this, but what we can do is give you as a player, more opportunities to use those figures that you have, right? To play mm-hmm. the game you're used to in a different way. And we can do that through campaigns, right? We can, we can send characters to, we can send, um, you know, the battlefield specifically into certain regions, right? The deserts of Mars, the jungles of Venus, um, you know, deep in the asteroid belt, etc. And all of those can allow us to push the scenarios in a less balanced way than you would see, you know, kind of in the core rules. Mm-hmm. Because then, then we're worried more about you know, creating again these narrative experiences as opposed to these tightly tailored, balanced um, scenarios. Um, and, and then through that, right, introduce you know variant environmental rules or um, you know new secondary objectives that are that are keyed to you know the particular theme of that campaign. So, so campaign packs like that are, are very much a place that Brian and I want to go. Um, to the first part of your question, right, the idea of telling our own stories. So one of the things that we don't want to do is, is take this established lore mm-hmm. and say, okay, now, now we're going to put the Res Nova spin on it, right? We're going to go and take it in this direction. The, the, the setting for Warzone and Mutant Chronicles is big enough that there are a multitude of stories that can be told without us having to advance lore, right? Mm-hmm. To, mm-hmm. to advance the storyline. Um, you know, there are there are thousands of war zones scattered across, you know, Mercury, Mars, Venus, the asteroid belt, uh, on Dark Eden. And and all of those are an opportunity for people to to play through, you know, some sort of cool encounter. Uh, through doing so, advance the narrative a little bit, but you're advancing the narrative again in these these small places that don't disrupt kind of the larger story. Sure. So, so with that wealth of opportunities in front of us or available to us, there isn't there isn't a real strong desire or incentive to do things like push the storyline forward, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, have have Alakai's Citadel fall or yeah, you know, the Graviton Archipelago get completely taken by capital or, or you know, whatever, whatever might make sense. None of those are, are things that we need to do in order to get fuel for cool and interesting stories that people can play through. For sure. And, and, and even just as we were kind of talking earlier, like the adventures of Trencher Dave <laughs> yep. uh, are, are like a fun set of, uh, you know, missions or, or stories or adventures that uh, this, this random character could have within the setting uh, that doesn't upset the balance or, or, you know, create any knee jerk reactions that that couldn't happen here uh, right. or, or stuff like that. Right. And it gives that ability to, to, you know, almost create your own new characters uh, that can kind of live in the space and but still have uh, you know a strong narrative behind them. So that that's that's really cool, and I really like that about about the setting, the direction you guys are going. 
Cool. Yeah, no, I, and, and I hope that when we get to that point, right, that, that people people see, oh, this is what they're talking about. And that, yeah, that, that they feel that it it's a it's an ad. It's a, you know, um, a, a positive addition to the, the core gameplay experience. Yeah. So speaking of that lore and stuff, you have a couple short stories that are coming out with the Kickstarter, right? Yeah. Well, so we've got, uh, I think five, I think it was five short stories that, um, that pretty much every backer of the Kickstarter are going to get a PDF copy of. There's a sixth one that is in the uh, printed compilation that you could choose to pick up in the, the Kickstarter and then the rule book itself is going to have, and they're not even short stories, right? They're more like vignettes. They're really mm-hmm. short. Yeah. Um, but there's probably six more of those in the core rule book. So uh, hopefully through all of that stuff, you know, people who are who are new to the universe are going to really feel like there's enough meat there for them to understand, you know, this is what the universe feels like. This is what the tech level of the universe is. This is what the environments that the the battles happen. This is what the environments look like. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you do you think there's going to be a chance for there to be those uh, kind of like campaign style gameplay set on those stories? Um. Yeah. I mean, with all the short stories being kind of short enough, there's probably yeah. not enough meat on the bone there in order to you know, build those into a campaign itself. But, but yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, a lot of them could be used as inspiration for the type of, you know, campaign games that we're talking about. I mean, there's, um, yeah, but I don't want to like throw out, you know, all the, the <laughs> but I mean, sure. you know, for instance, there's, there's, there's a short story that maybe is set on dark Eden. Right. And so that's, you know, that that's a really cool environment to have games in. Um, and, you know, that that's a place that we want to eventually get to. And when I, when I say we want to get there, you know, people who are longtime fans are like, oh, my gosh, the tribes, you're going to do the tribes, you can do full armies for all the tribes. And it's like, well, OK, let's there, there's two things there. Right. There's there's doing the tribes as distinct factions, but there's also you know, getting to the point of flushing out Dark Eden enough that it becomes an, a cool, interesting place to set your battles, right? Sure. And and so that's, you know, that that's one of the first ways we're going to encounter Dark Eden. But yeah, so I think I think the short stories are all, um, you know, they, they capture the type of uh, environments that that a game of Warzone could be set in, and and could be used as kind of imagination fuel for campaigns that, you know, people might want to do on their own. Excellent. That works. (laughs) (laughs) Well, with that, I think uh, that about wraps us up, unless you have anything you want to throw out at at us, Alex, or you, Brian. I don't want to throw anything at people. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, I don't don't think so. Um, I mean, I, I guess for those people who, you know, do listen to this. If you have not completed your backer kit, you know, please, please jump in there and, and take jump care on. of that. Um, again, the backer kit will probably not probably will close in December. Um, the exact date as to be uh, to determined as of yet. Um, and then, uh, yeah, no, just if you haven't played, had gotten a chance to play the beta, play the beta, let us know, um, you know, post to the Facebook group, join the discord. Uh, and yeah, and actually, we love pictures. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And, and actually, you know, on Mondays, uh, you know, one of the uh, 
uh, one of the Discord regulars has um, kind of coordinated a every Monday night Warzone Discord chat. Yeah. And it, it's cool. Um, yeah, there's uh, kind of a growing number of people that, that are in there. And yeah, I, I try to pop in for at least a bit almost every week just to kind of, you know, field questions about the beta or just just chat, because obviously, obviously, I like talking about Warzone. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, a good sign. <laughs> yeah. Well, with that, thank you, guys. Uh, and of course, follow us on all those social platforms um both deads on the podcast and breast nova <laughs> yeah and then make nope. sure you you check out the booth at the penny arcade expo unplugged packs unplugged on december 1st through the 3rd yep i'll be there trust hey, Brian, me Brian. come talk to me <laughs> <laughs> all right have a good night guys all right you too thanks a lot Bye.